The word of God reads like this. And I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. And you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. And in all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Father, as we study now, please awaken our souls and put this where it belongs. In Jesus' name, amen. I think Bree brought it up in observation time, but she mentioned the word um, pay attention multiple times or beware, watch out. How are you guys with alarm clocks? Okay, when I ask the question, not like, like how well are you with it? Like, do you, raise your hand if you like alarm clocks. Wow. All right. <laughs> Raise your hand if you like the snooze. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, okay, yeah, there you go. Um, uh, how do you guys do with signs, like um, warning signs? Like when it says do not enter or no trespassing or like just you have a tendency to just like, oh, there's this. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> warning signs are suggestions, right? Red means what? Slow down. Yellow light means go. No, no, no. But okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, and, and I think, I think, uh, something that I know for my son, uh, he's discovered the fire alarm and he's in, he's terrified of it. Uh, and, and I'm working with him. We, we had a talk yesterday trying to help break it down, like why this is a helpful friend and why we don't need to be afraid of the fire alarm. Because, you know, if, if something were to happen in the house, if the house were to be burning on fire, then the fire alarm is going to wake us up and get us out. Cause we don't want to get hurt. And so like, I'll, I'll have the fire alarm and I'm talking to him and he's like, you know, and I'm like, it's a, it's a, it's a friend. You, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, um, and he's into fire trucks. So, uh, so he's playing with his fire truck and he's like, and, I, and so I'm t- I was like, Hey, that's the good sound. What are you, what are you doing? He's like, I'm like, that's an alarm, like a fire alarm, the fire alarm and the fire truck are friends. And he's like, Oh, they're friends. And I'm like, yeah, look, the fire truck has like little fire alarms. And so, and it's not scary. It's meant to help us. He's like, oh, okay. And then, and so I was like, let me get the fire alarm, bring it back. I'm like, you want to carry? He's like, no, you know, like, and and so we're working on it. But I, I, I found myself really looking at that and, and realizing, like, I do think in many ways, we are wired like my son is right now. We are, where, Alarms are kind of scary. We don't like them. We don't like to hear them. Um, and, and we have a hard time even wanting to acknowledge them. You know, I mean, all through growing up, right? I mean, when you get corrected or when you're told something that you don't really 
want to be told, but it, it, sh it should be told, your gut reaction is like, no, you know, you dot, 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 don't tell me. Oh, you need to, da, da. no, you need to, da, 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 da. right? Like all of us have that natural instinct to when we hear a warning or when we're alerted or when there is an alarm, our, our instinct is to not really pay attention. Notice that Paul is mentioning wake up or pay attention or hello multiple times through his talk. He's trying to sound an alarm. And my fear is that as we hear the, the word of God preached, when the alarm is sound, we'd actually take heed to it. Um, Proverbs chapter 8, it says this. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? To you, O oh men, I call simple ones, learn prudence, fools, learn sense. Here, I'll speak noble things, and my lips, what come from my lips is true. And all the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted in it. My fruit is better than gold and fine gold. In other words, listen to me. Later in the same chapter, he says, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Whoever fails to find me injures himself. And all who hate me, all who hate the wisdom's call, all who hate the alarm clocks, all who hate the signs, they love death. See, learning to welcome warnings, learning to love wisdom, learning to hear wisdom's call, that is something that we have to beg the Spirit of God to help us desire. Like, I want to want warnings. Especially in my youth, in your youthfulness, most young people don't like to be warned. That's why when your parents tell you multiple times, you just say, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But hey, just heed the warning. Just listen. As we continue to complete this meeting, I, I do want us to glean from his warnings. And I do pray that in our hearts, we would really take heed from them. And guys, and I'm speaking mostly to myself, because this is primarily targeted at the leaders in the church. So when we read this together, I want us to read it together. But I do want you to tailor your prayer as well for your leaders here, for your pastors and deacons. And pray deep in your heart like, hey, Lord, wake these men up. Don't let them sleep. Don't let them snooze. Wake all of us up. Help all of us to learn to love wisdom's call. Learn to heed the warning. So let's walk through it and see what Paul continues to warn on. Verse 29, he says, I know, meaning not maybe. It's a guarantee that after my departure, because his presence right now is probably deteriorating or shooing away a lot of these, what we're going to read on is these wolves. Wolves have tried to attack this church and Paul was there. And Paul didn't shrink back. He did the right thing. He protected the sheep. And he knows so there's a good chance after I leave, because my presence is known among the wolves. Fierce wolves will come in among you. Fierce wolves, notice Luke describes it as a fierce wolf, not just a wolf. A fierce wolf, baris. It's a severe, heavy, cruel, 
greedy for destruction. That's this fierceness. You got to imagine the wolf snarling. And a wolf, a beast driven by its appetite to feed off the sheep. This will happen. Not might. And here's the word, among you. So he's warned them of things outside. Now this is among the camp. And they will not spare the flock. Wolves are not going to flinch at the chance to chomp at a sheep. Who's the sheep, church? We are. Verse 30, and from among, now here we go, even your own selves. Now who's he speaking to? He's saying, there's going to be wolves among you. And then there's going to be wolves even among yourselves. Who is he speaking to, church? The leaders. The elders. You know what that reminds me of? When Jesus sat with the disciples. There's going to be someone here who's going to betray me. You know, it's interesting. You read the John account. And they had no clue who. They couldn't even tell. They're like, what? Really? Who is it me, Lord? Even among the leaders will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Speaking, that's why we know it's among them, among yourselves, among the pastorate. There can be men, if you're not careful, church, who will rise up. That word rising up, it meaning it's a slow burner, meaning the wolf was always in there. It's just over a period of time the wolf got a little bit bigger and stronger because, verse 28, they didn't pay attention. They didn't crucify that selfish ambition to feed off the sheep. So for years come, maybe like a Judas, it's hard to tell because they have history with, Ju- with a guy like Judas. They served with Judas. But if we're not careful, if we don't have a real accountability in our leadership and in our membership, Wolves can arise from in this room and even on this pulpit. And these will be men who speak twisted things. Perverted, that's the Greek word. Bent, distorted. Meaning it's no longer sound. It's no longer straight. It's crooked. And why would they twist the word of God? To draw disciples after who? themselves here's the first point beware of predators dressed up as pastors beware and i'm not saying this confidently with you guys like that could never be me i want to be held accountable i want to pay attention to myself and i want you church ohana to pay attention to me and to the other pastors I'm a sheep just like you. I have a role to lead and proclaim and explain, but I'm just as needy of the Spirit of God as anyone in this room. And if we're not careful, there may be predators. Maybe not now, but what about five years from now? What about 15 years from now? 
Beware of predators dressed up as pastors. I use that language because Jesus uses that language. This, there's two, there's a, there's two subpoints I want to show in this one point. The first is how the predator attacks. Oh, both of them is how the predator attacks. The first one is he attacks stealthily. The second one is he attacks by twisting scripture. But beware of predators dressed up as pastors. Matthew 7, verse 15, Jesus says this, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like on sheep. But inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. You see where Paul gets his language? You'll recognize them, but by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit, by their life. But hey, church, watch out because they come to you in sheep's clothing. Did Paul not say in 2 Corinthians 11, such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves, disguising themselves as apostles. And no wonder even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You see this? Beware of pastors dressed, uh, predators dressed up as pastors. It's a scary thought, right? We must take heed to these warnings. Verse 28, pay careful attention. We saw it with Judas among the 12. And so it is through church history. Leader after leader rising up. And somewhere along the line, the wolf came out and fed on the sheep. You know, if you're here tonight and in your heart, in your inner heart, you're faking this. Like even me right now in this moment, am I faking this? Is this a means for me to feed off of someone else? Like if, if, if you're playing the game this evening and you're trying to maybe fool your friends or your parents or your, your pastors or whatever it is, your, mem- your church members, you can sing as loud as you want, as long as you want, appear as charismatic as you like, as we like. When we leave and you get in your car and you're all alone to yourself, you know We know deep in your soul if you're a wolf or a sheep. Do you love Christ? Or is this just another means to feed your flesh? We all must examine ourselves. This is a warning, yes, for the elders, but for every believer. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, and Jesus will say, you have never known you. And if you are more wolf feeling like you're faking it and you're just hoping to get off on some other means or some other thing other than Christ, you're not really here for Christ, the person of Jesus, then I beg you this evening, come into the light, repent of that sin as me, a former child of wrath who was led all by his passions and desires. And the heart so deceitfully wicked, 
detect the wolf and crucify it. Come into the light. Say, change me, O God. Especially for those of us who are growing up in the church. Make sure as we grow up here, it's always about Christ. May no wolves arise, Lord. You know, in Ezekiel 34, the prophet says, shepherds of Israel, you've been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? No, you're feeding off the sheep. You're, not, you're feeding yourselves, not feeding the sheep. He reads on to say, you eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with their wool. You slaughter them and you don't feed the sheep. The weak you haven't strengthened. The sick you haven't healed. The injured you haven't bound up. The strayed you haven't brought back. The lost you haven't sought. But with force and harshness, you rule over them. So they're scattered because there's no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over the mountains and the hills. My sheep, they're scattered all over the face of the earth. And there's no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord, surely because my sheep have become prey and my sheep have become food for wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my, sheep, my shepherds have not searched for my sheep. The shepherds have fed themselves. They haven't fed the sheep. Therefore, you shepherds hear this. I am against you. Holy and I'll require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to you feeding on them. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. Jesus, our good shepherd, says, I will rescue my sheep. And I'll make sure none of you have them for food. That is a terrifying thought to think if you are, if we are wolves in this place. The greatest fear you have to have is the good shepherd. He knows who his own is. This is why for those of us who have had history of coming in and out of church circles or church leadership, and you're scarred and marred by abusive authority, or maybe you've participated in such type of authority, and you're, you're, you're winnowing through all of these wounds right now, but in your inner of hearts, you are a sheep. You cry out, Christ the Lord. He is all you want. He is all you need. He's got you, and he's going to draw you in, and he's going to mend you. Because even when leadership fails, our God never fails. Predators will look like sheep. And one of the ways they'll attack is by being stealth. They'll pretty themselves up and appear a certain way. Please, please don't gain a momentum in doing that. Don't pretty yourself up and try to appear a certain way at church to impress anybody. Come, come before God, come as you are. Be open and honest and sincere to change me, oh God. You know, a church is a freeing place when you know you can show up and not have to make like, you don't need to pretend here, guys. You don't have to pretend. Please don't pretend. The second way the enemy attacks or the, the predator who's dressed up as a pastor attacks is he attacks by twisting scripture. 
You know, this playbook for the enemy, it goes back to the garden, right? Genesis 3, did God actually say? That's why when the devil took Jesus up and tempted him, what did the devil do? He quoted scripture. Matthew 4, 6, it says the devil took him up and said, it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up. He just leaves out the phrase in the psalmist to guard you in all of your ways. So he says, Jesus, throw yourself down. The angels got you because it's written. He just needs to delete a little bit, twist a little bit. See, we got to know our Bibles, church. You got to be able to listen to me. And if you're taking notes, do what the Bereans do. Examine everything that's being said to be certain it's coming from the good shepherd. I am growing just like you. And if at any point you notice or we see something that's like, oh, what about this? Then let's come together and let's make sure we get it right. No shame in that. I will, I will gladly tell you from the pulpit that we are all learning and we all need each other's help to make sure we're, none of us here are twisting, distorting, or misapplying the Bible. We got to know our Bibles. Just at our church picnic, I was speaking to a visitor. And I just met this person for the first time. And he was sharing with me how much he loves Christ. And we're rejoicing in our common goodness of like, I love Jesus, you love Jesus. And we we're talking, talking, and, and we started talking about revelations and eschatology and all this kind of good stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, dude. And then, and then he starts to kind of go off into, you know, but Jesus didn't really come as a, you know, as a physical person though, right? I mean, it's, he's just a phantom, kind of like a spirit form. You know, he just kind of, there's no real body. And I was like, oh, really, um, friend? Like, wh where, did you, where did you read that? He said, it's in the Bible. Oh, please show me. Well, you know, actually, I also read it in these secret gospels, um, you know, and, and it makes total sense. And, I, and I'm thinking, okay, well, let, let's, can you want to read, can I read you something right now? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. You know, Paul says this is of first importance that he came physically and he died physically and he rose physically. And then it says later that he appeared and he showed himself to many. In Luke 24, it says, feel my body. And it says actually in Luke 24 that some of them hard, had a hard time believing. And then he's like, does anyone have something to eat? <laughs> and they give him some food and starts chomping, almost to emphasize, I'm really alive. If Jesus didn't have a physical body, then he didn't really bleed out and die. There was no paying for sin. You and I are still dead in our sins, if that's the case. But this friend sincerely thought what he was telling me is from the scripture. And if I didn't know any better, church, I could have easily been led astray. I've had a many people come into my life and share with me things from scripture that were slightly like I've never heard it before. And I would be lying to tell you that I wasn't tempted to dare to believe. But what it did cause me to do is go study my Bible. Are you ready to take on a wolf if he or she comes in sheep's clothing and quotes scripture seemingly more eloquent than you could ever quote? Don't shudder. Don't fear. Just, okay, let's go. Let's see. Is it written? That's a, that's a, that's, I never heard that before. Let me get back to you. And can we keep talking about that? Don't buckle. Don't run and hide. Run to the good shepherd. Here's voice. Sound doctrine. We got to know our Bibles, church. 
So Paul knows that this type of cunning and deceit is going to come in after his departure. There's going to be wolves coming in to rip them to shreds. It'll come in from among them and even among its leaderships. They'll come in stealthily and they'll come in twisting scripture. But let's pick up the pace. Verse 31, therefore, and he says it again, be alert. Here's the alarm clock. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day. So earlier he was talking about a false shepherd, a false pastor. Now he's going to kind of allude to himself again. And what we're going to see is good examples of a true shepherd, a faithful pastor, right? Remembering for three years, I didn't cease to admonish you day or night. Faithful pastors warn unwaveringly. Unwaveringly. He says, I want you to remember this. Call it to mind. Three years, the whole time I was with you, I never ceased. I didn't stop. I didn't grow weary. Can you remind, imagine reminding someone the same thing for three years? How would you feel? Right? Most of us in here, our attitudes would be like, I would even go for a year. But this shows you the faithfulness of a good shepherd. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I intend always to remind you and establish you in the truth. Verse 13, I think it right. As long as I'm in this body, I'll stir you up by way of reminder. Verse 15, I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you may, be able, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Faithful, faithful pastors will remind again and again and again and again and again. If it takes three months, again, again, one year, two years, three years, again and again and again. And what we're going to read on is he does it with what? Running down his face. Tears. See, a faithful pastor doesn't just warn unwaveringly. But a faithful pastor warns from a pure heart, everyone with tears, Dacreon, 2 Corinthians 2.4, I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart with many tears to let you know how abundant my love is for you. Oh, I aspire to be such a man because I know that in my natural state, in my flesh, to remind again and again would make me bitter would make me salty, would make me start to be like, oh, oh, you, how many times I got to tell? See, that's not the heart of our God, praise God. How many times the Lord had to tell you the same thing? Not twice, 200 times. Yes, the Lord is slow to anger and he's abounding in love. If you're in a rut tonight, if you have not heeded the warning and you made the same mistake one too many times, I'm telling you again tonight, wake up, try again. Grace is more. Don't give up. Don't put your head down. The reminder is there until he calls us home or comes to get us. And I am praying that I would foster such a heart that however many years the Lord would give me in this church, if I had to tell you the same thing a hundred times, the hundredth time would still be with the same love and affection. And I'm believing with all my heart that eventually, soon and very soon, you're going to get it. But see, faithful pastors, they're unwavering. And they do it from a pure heart. I know much of you. We've had many talks. And we've had many of the same a talk. And I'm telling you, keep on. I don't think any less of you. I love you any less. And until God calls me home or I, the kind, 
I want to be like Peter who says, I'll remind them one more time. In love again and again to the day we drop. That's why parents can remind you the same thing all the way up until your graduation. Because they love you. Heed the warning. Verse 32, and now I command you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you inheritance among all who are sanctified. I commend you to God. Now I'm leaving, but here, I'm giving you up. I'm just, I'm putting you out there. I'm commending you to God, his word, his grace. And that's able, he is able to build you up and sanctify you to the end. Here's the point. Faithful pastors know that God's got his sheep. God's got them. That's why Paul can write things like Philippians 1.6. I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you, he'll complete it. This is why I can sit across my desk from a young man or a young woman who's about to go and do whatever it is they're going to do. And I may never see them again. They may never take the advice that I give them from the scriptures. But I know this, if Christ has got them, he's got them. He's got them. He's got you if you're his sheep. No one's going to snatch you from him. That's why Paul says, I commend you to God. God's always had you. It's not that Paul had them and then now he's going to give them to God. God's always had them. But in my departure, as Paul's leaving, he's reminding himself, I think, as he tells them, this is God's sheep. Didn't he say that last week? This is God's church. He obtained it with his own blood. You're his. Do we love one another and counsel one another like this? Do we love? Are we patient with each other? We remind each other again and again in love. And, and if and when we don't even heed one another, or we don't heed the word of God, do you still believe God's got each other? We got to believe this about each other, church. We are God's sheep, and he's got us. And you know what's going to bring us through? Megan said it in observation time. The word of his grace. That is what's able to build us up and take us home. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And it's that same grace that brings us home. Never forget that. Pastors, never forget that God's got his sheep. That is such a relief for me. And a great reality. Verse 33. I coveted no one's silver, gold, apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and those who are with me. In all these things, I've shown you that by working hard, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I never covet your stuff. I wasn't in this ministry for the dollar. Here's the point. Faithful pastors don't fleece the sheep. They feed them. They don't fleece them. That's why it makes me cringe and almost gag when I see so-called pastors so blinged out or looking so excess, driving this and driving that and looking like that, walking, talking, eating that, that is a walking contradiction of what you preach. You preach a gospel that invests its all itself in heaven, that is so centered on eternity. That's what you preach from the, from the stage. And yet you walk around and you carry yourself in a way like this is where it's at. Like this life is where it's at. A preacher once said, if we're going to be fools for Christ, we might as well be rich fools. And I was thinking, holy moly, that is from hell. 
pastors, but church members. You know why we're not in this and envying each other or shouldn't be envying each other's clothes and apparels? Because we, like Peter, are supposed to say silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give, Jesus Christ. Is he your treasure? Is he our great reward? Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, not the things of the earth. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And pastors foremost should be setting the pace in this. Faithful pastors don't fleece the sheep. That's why in Hebrews 13 it says, Keep your life free from the love of money. And then he says, be content with what you have. What do you have? What does the next verse say? I am your very great reward. If any of us are here and in this for the prosperity of this life, we're misreading the Bible. We do not know the gospel. You are missing out. You're settling for less. We are to be a people who are investing in treasures that will never, ever, ever fade. I hope that when I die, God in heaven, the righteous judge, the good shepherd, would grant me a crown that will never fade. That is worth more to me. Christ is worth more to me than any of the riches in this life could offer, any of the comforts that could come in my years of the ministry here. I pray that that would be my heart to the day I die. And friends, family, loved ones, church members, if you see me drifting, oh, pay careful attention and help me. Please, so help me. Please. I love that he then says, Remember the words of our Lord. It's not about this life. Why it's so much more blessed to give than to receive. When you're truly saved by grace and you see Christ as who he is and how that he loves you, how can you not want to give? Christianity is all overflow. We love because he first loved us. It's not just more blessed to give because it's a more enjoyable experience. It's more fun, you know, if you give than if you just get. It's fun to get. I like getting gifts. But what makes this more blessed? It's because we realize what we've received. You have Christ. We got it all. And there's no greater joy than to let your cup run over. So stop fleecing the sheep, wolves. Feed them. And feed them with that overflowing love that comes from God. To close. That's why Psalm 23, we sang that tonight. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads. He restores. Even though I walk through the valley, I'll fear nothing, no evil. He's with me. And then it says, he prepared a table for me. You know, my head, my cup overflows. More blessed to give than receive. Let's close it for tonight.
verse 36, and when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. No greater way to end that talk, huh? Bring it in, brothers. And you know, we don't kneel much in this church together. And again, it's not so much the posture, the physical posture, but this is noteworthy. It is the posture of your heart. Please understand that. But I love that out of the overflow of what Paul is sharing, he can't help him. We got to kneel down. And that's welcomed here. Most of the times when I get on my knees to pray, it's because in my heart, I real, there's just too much pride and I just have to, I got to get down. But he knelt down and he prayed with them all. There's so much weeping. They embraced Paul and they kissed him. Verse 38, being sorrowful most of all because the word he spoke in when he said he would not, they would not see his face again. This is the departure. This is the moment of goodbye. This is the aloha. Last point, faithful pastors have prepared their people for the time of their departure. Just rewind and remember the whole talk. He laid it all out. I spent everything. I, I didn't shrink back. I told you everything. I gave you the whole counsel of God. I gave you everything I got. There's nothing more I have to share. You got this, bros. And I commend you to God. You have his word. You know this, church. It's time for me to go. And he prepared them well. You know, it's interesting. I read this and I was like, but they are going to see him again. Maybe not on this life, but they will see him again. Something I realized that for the believer, you know what? When we say goodbye, it's always until we meet again. It's never goodbye forever. Family, in this brief mist of a life, there's going to be the day when we all have to say goodbye. Whether we're departing because the Lord has called us to a different season or whatever, or whether we depart by death. Whether here or there or in the air, we will see each other again. It's one of the joyous things of being a part of the family of God. This is forever. And we don't know how long the Lord will tarry. But I hope and pray that as long as we have each other and we're here, we're going to walk through this. We're going to grow through this together. But, but please, with a healthy real, reality and realization, that soon and very soon, I'll fly away. Oh, glory. We'll all fly away. When's the last time you thought of that? The time of the departure of this life and each other? And then to think of the reunion that we'll have? No more pain. No more tears. No more the drama that we're dealing with. Just total everlasting joy in the presence of the king together. I pray that we would be ready. But until that goodbye, until we're called into glory, let's continue on, bros and sisters. Let's pay attention to ourselves. 
Let's have one another's backs. Let's keep preaching the gospel faithfully. Let's live well together. And let's prepare for the next generation after us. A hundred years from now, none of us will be here. I don't think. But let's set the pace for those after us. Amen. Because soon and very soon, it's going to be a good day. This concludes the elders talk. As the Lord has spoken, as you think and thought, I'll close us in prayer. And, um, and we'll be good tonight. Let's do that. Lord, to just pause and think of eternity, to think of heaven. It is a, it's a blissful thought. Um, we could find ourselves just thinking about it forever. But Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. And after we say amen and conclude this time, and we open our eyes and recognize that we are here present together in this particular time in history, I pray that you'd help us to carry on together. Pray that you would alert us and help us to wake up and heed wisdom's call this evening and not be a fool. Wolves will come, but we will not fear, for our good shepherd is here. Help us to have one another's backs, to be for one another and care for one another. Speak truth and love to one another. Good shepherd, would you... Shepherd us now, and as we fellowship, as we hang, would you continue to allow these truths to just marinate into our souls? Grant us a greater watchfulness, a grateful readiness, a greater readiness for the things to come. Thank you, God, that your word is true. And help us all now to taste and see that it is more blessed to give than to receive and to gladly spend and be spent for one another for your name's sake, to give it all, lay it all out, not waste another minute or day or hour of this life, to leave it all out there until you call us home or come to get us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.